Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast with our reading of the gospel and a brief meditation. My name is James Thomas. Today is Friday, March the 31st, 2023. It is Friday of the fifth week of Lent. Today's reading is from the gospel according to St. John. The Jews picked up rocks to stone Jesus. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from my Father. For which of these are you trying to stone me? The Jews answered him, We are not stoning you for a good work, but for blasphemy. You, a man, are making yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If it calls them gods to whom the word of God came, and Scripture cannot be set aside, Can you say that the one whom the Father has consecrated and sent into the world blasphemes because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not perform my Father's works, do not believe me. But if I perform them, even if you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may realize and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Then they tried again to arrest him, but he escaped from their power. He went back across the Jordan to the place where John first baptized, and there he remained. Many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but everything John said about this man was true, and many there began to believe in him. So there are occasional places where Jesus will quote for us the Old Testament, and it just makes the Old Testament reading something that already was powerful so much more. In this particular one, he's quoting Psalm 81. I'm sorry, Psalm 82. I have said to you, you are gods. We belong to him, and yet he shares his divinity with us. Jesus is saying so much more here uh, about his own identity, about who he is, It all starts with Jesus, but remember, Jesus, his ministry, his three years of public ministry, his 33 years here on earth, it's just meant to begin something bigger. He says even himself, we will perform even greater works than he did. Jesus gets the ball rolling. Jesus conquers sin and death. He conquers the devil. He rises from the dead. He opens up the gates of heaven. And now there is this open channel again between God and the human race. And so what Jesus does, it's not enough that he is God. It's not enough that in his humanity, he transforms our humanity to be one with God. But then, in addition to all that, of course, this is completed with the sending of the Holy Spirit. He makes us sharers in his divinity. That's ultimately what he's getting to here. Now, with his argument with the Pharisees, we're just continuing on this back and forth. It really is amazing, John, the way the gospel is set up. They attack, and then Jesus gives us even greater truths, even deeper truths. It's similar to the setup of Revelation. John does this on purpose in terms of his structure. Of course, the words are Jesus' words. These are all true things. But in the book of Revelation, you have a battle then you have worship. Then you have another battle. Then you have more worship. Then you have another battle. And in each battle, the good guys win. Why? Because they worshiped. 
because when we pray, God gives us power to conquer the devil. So in the gospel according to John, today is chapter 10. It's just continuing what we've already been hearing. Jesus fights these little battles, and from there he gives us greater truth. And then they attack him again. And the truth just keeps getting bigger and better. That is just pouring out of Jesus's mouth. So Jesus, a big, huge part of all this is describing who he is and the importance of his mission. But then it leads us somewhere else. There's a bigger mission here, and that is for the church to be established upon Jesus's sacrifice, upon all that Jesus does. The church is established so that what Jesus does in that little tiny area over a little period of three years, can now be done for thousands of years everywhere. The works continue, and they testify to the fact that I am a son of God, that you listening, you are a son of God, you are a daughter of God. And being filled with the Holy Spirit, beginning in baptism, being completed in a way in in confirmation, but then still continuing to grow as we live the Christian life as we're filled with the Holy Spirit. This Christian life of ours, it enables us then to uh, basically spread God's love everywhere, spread grace everywhere, bless everyone everywhere. This is Jesus's mission for us. He starts on a small scale. He does the definitive work that needs to be done, but then he gives it to us by giving us the Spirit, by completing his task of dying and rising ascending into heaven, now we're able to take that grace everywhere. So it leads us somewhere here to an understanding of the church. We become divinized. To give a little bit of theology here about what this means, divinization, uh, we are filled with sanctifying grace. We, uh, We lose grace because of our sins. The human race definitively lost grace in connection with God because of original sin. And so Jesus, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, ascending into heaven, he opens up the channel, sending us the Spirit. He enables us to receive this grace once again. And then for each of us, through the sacraments, we get that grace. You know, St. Michael is in the choir of archangels. That's the eighth choir. Lucifer was the king of the seraphim. That's the first choir. Lucifer and Michael fought and they continue to fight and Michael wins. On the order of nature, it doesn't make any sense. Lucifer is so much more powerful, but there's something that he does not have and that is grace. Michael remains faithful to God. Michael is filled with grace. Why is Michael picked to fight Lucifer? Because Michael is our defender, our protector, and the devil attacks us. So Michael, in the eighth choir of angels, protects the human race, as well as our guardian angels and St. Gabriel and so many others. And they went out because they're filled with grace. The devil doesn't have grace. He forfeited grace. He lost it forever. The angels that are faithful to Jesus, they maintain their connection with God. They maintain grace. We, through our baptism, receive grace. We are divinized. We are enlightened and enlivened by the Holy Spirit. If you could see a baby after it's baptized, if you could truly see its soul, you'd be blown away. We would just faint. We would die from what we see, the beauty of all, uh, you know, heaven and, and God's presence being poured into that child or whoever is baptized. It would be an amazing thing to be able to see.
It's already amazing to witness it even on a human level. With the Easter Vigil coming up, so many people will be baptized. It's an outpouring of grace, an outpouring of light, even just witnessing those beautiful Easter Vigil Masses, taking part in the Exaltet and listening to the Gloria. Hopefully there's bells and lights and, you know, incense comes in, whatever it might be to add to the ceremony, because we're celebrating grace coming into the world, coming into our souls, coming into the church. And with that grace, now God is able to make his presence among us. There's so much we can say about this. One thing I like to do is just, I don't know, take walks or just wherever I go, just, you know, pray over places, pray over things, claim the world once again for the Lord Jesus, because through our sins, we've taken this away from God. So we need to constantly give it back. So just us by being filled with grace, we can bring that grace into the dark places, into the places where we find people that are sad and depressed, places where people do not know God. It's not always about lecturing people, preaching to people, beating them over the head with our Bible. Sometimes it's just a question of bringing grace, love, and peace and joy into the dark places. So we receive that grace initially in our baptism. I mean, there's even prevening graces and actual graces. There's so many different ways to talk about grace. God is at work at all times. God is answering our prayer for mercy even before we receive grace in baptism. We're, you know, God is getting us ready for those graces. There's so many ways that we can interact with God, but then there's the grace of the sacraments. Baptism gives us sanctifying grace. Um, Holy Communion increases our capacity for sanctifying grace. It's as if, you know, in baptism, the cup gets cleaned and filled up. We sin, the cup gets empty, it gets dirtied. Confession empties out, or fills the cup again, rather. It cleans up the cup and it fills it again. The Eucharist expands the size of the cup, filling it more and more and more with grace. Sanctifying grace fills us to be able then to bring the Holy Spirit to the world, to bring Jesus to the world. So with this grace, this sanctifying grace, this presence of the Holy Spirit, then we have individual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. If we only understood the true meaning, the full meaning of our baptisms and our confirmation, such as the gifts of the Spirit, courage and wisdom and knowledge, counsel, piety, reverence, a.k.a. fear of the Lord, understanding that when you don't know what to say that needs to be said, God will give you that gift of counsel. When we're unable to pray, God will give us the gift of reverence, fear of the Lord. When we have so many reasons that we're disrespecting our brothers and sisters, maybe it's somebody in need, Maybe it's somebody who's immodestly dressed and we look at them as an object. Maybe it's somebody driving us crazy. Our personalities don't mesh. Then we have the gift of piety, the greater respect for things of God. And the human person is made in the image of God. Piety, Pope John Paul talked about this a lot in his Theology of the Body, calling upon the gift of piety to help us better respect our brothers and sisters, piety overcoming lust, 
piety helping us to love more and more our brothers and sisters as they deserve to be loved. We constantly need these gifts of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Courage. How often do we need courage? So, I mean, there's the virtues, which means we work together with God. We build ourselves up in good habits. There's the gifts God freely gives them when we ask. And through our confirmation, through our baptism, really confirmation completes the baptismal graces. Then we have the fruits of the Spirit. The more we pray, the more we're filled with that Spirit. The more we live in the Spirit, the more we become gentle and kind peaceful, joyful, more charitable, more self-controlled. So these are the gifts and graces given to each of us, and then we all have our own particular charisms. When Jesus is, is quoting Psalm 82, you are gods, he's referring to the fact that this is his mission to make us all divinized, to share in the grace of God so that we can do his works. How often have I been at a prayer meeting or on a retreat where I've witnessed people prophesy? In other words, they pray with someone and they're able to say the right words. God gives them the words to say to help that person. Very often it's talking about something that nobody else would have known. How often have I seen the charism of healing present in my own life and ministry? Sometimes maybe deliverance from an evil spirit. It was clearly there, and now it's clearly gone. Sometimes it's a person that heals when others pray over them. It's an amazing thing, and it happens on so many levels. People need emotional healing. They can be helped so much with our prayers. People need physical healing. How often do we pray over people that need physical healing? It's not a hard thing to do when you see somebody in a cast or whatever. So many things, so many things indicate that someone is injured. Jesus went around healing people, and now he gives us the Spirit, and many of us have the charism of healing. Many of us do. The charism of preaching and teaching. A lot of us have that, and we don't even realize we have it. So we should be asking the Lord, Lord, show me what my charisms are. How have you made me like you? How can it be said about me, I say, you are God's? It doesn't mean I'm a false god, a, a god from another religion or something like that, a, a superhero or something like that. But rather, no, we're not superheroes, but we're called to be saints. We're called to be filled with the Spirit and do the works of God because the Spirit makes these things happen in us and from us. So many great charisms are given, and they're given to us for mission. I always like to talk about Padre Pio. You know, to say Jesus divinizes us, the Holy Spirit divinizes us. Look at people like a Padre Pio or a St. John Vianney that could read souls in the confessional, that could cure people by bilocating. A woman in New York City writes Padre Pio a letter. Dear Padre Pio, pray for me. I'm dying of cancer. A couple days later, she gets a knock on the door. A Franciscan shows up at her door, says, can I pray with you? He's really nice. He comes in. He prays with her. We're going to ask the Lord to heal you, ma'am. And then he leaves, and then she miraculously gets better, goes to the doctor. The cancer is gone. She has no idea who that Franciscan priest was until she sees a picture of Padre Pio and says, that's him. There it is. There, There he is. 
Come to find out, during those couple of days after he received the letter, he spent a lot of time on his knees in Italy praying for that woman's cure. In other words, the Lord used him to bilocate and then to heal that woman. The Lord did it, but he acts through his chosen instruments. He wants you and me to be those instruments. In all the lives of the saints, we can tell so many stories of the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I'm often reminded of people like St. Francis or Mother Teresa, who worked with the poorest of the poor, you know, people with leprosy, people dying, people sick, people lying in gutters. St. Francis, having great revulsion at these kinds of people in his early days, and then asking the Lord for the Spirit, and the Spirit giving him this interest in the poorest of the poor, the sickest of the sick, lepers, people that were contagious, and he didn't care. And he went and he prayed with these people, and so many of them were healed. But also so many of them just received the gift of love, because he wasn't afraid. And then he wasn't, he didn't contract the disease himself. So many people like this, St. Catherine of Siena and her nursing, and so many things that she did. Anyway, the list goes on and on and on. I recommend we read the lives of the saints. Come to know these people who were divinized, who were filled with God's grace and were able to do great things, carrying on the mission of Jesus. Pray also that God will increase in you and me the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit for our daily life, but also that he will teach us our charisms. You have charisms, I have charisms, and they're there for a reason. They're there to make the world a better place. God has chosen you and me to do amazing things, to carry on his work. It wasn't just 2,000 years ago for three years in a little area. No, it's for all of time and all of space. God has shared with us his spirit. He fills us with so many good things. And it's amazing. When you discover the gifts that you have, the charisms that God has given you, you'll be blown away. I hope everyone takes great joy in their charisms, and decides to use them. Take them out into the world and use them in the way that God intends for you. Who knows, it could be the gift of humor, just to put smiles on people's faces. That's a great gift in and of itself. So we ask the Lord that he fill us with his grace, show us how we have been divinized, and constantly increase that in us, and when we lose grace through our sins, to quickly confess them, to once again be reanimated, with the gifts and the graces of Almighty God. I hope everybody has a wonderful day. God bless you. Happy Lent.